If you are leading change, building a team, or implementing new procedures, Gonzaga University's online Master's in Organizational Leadership gives you the tools for success. With concentrations in change, global, and servant leadership, you'll get the most relevant training and education to help you tackle any challenge. Visit gonzaga.edu leader and find out how Gonzaga's organizational leadership degree can affect positive change in your life and career. That's gonzaga.edu leader. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Stav. It's Griff. And it's Will. And today we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs as the first round starts to come to an end. And we got some MLB talk the last week. Got a lot of good stories to talk about. I'm ready. I'm excited. Let's dive right into it. Let's go. Let's I'm sorry. Welcome back, everybody. It is a fantastic Tuesday uh, at the time this comes out because the Celtics have swept the Nets. No, I'm kidding. We're recording this Monday around 5 p.m., two hours. Actually, T-minus two hours until game time. Um, We're up three games to nothing. The Celtics are in full control of the series. we got one more game at the Barclays Center. The big news of the night is that Ben Simmons is not playing. We're going to cover a little bit of Ben Simmons' style. We'll get you started. What does this mean for Ben? Is is he giving up on his team before he even steps on the court? Oh, absolutely. Like, it's as a report said on, I think it was, I believe it was Friday, Woj said, bearing a major setback, Ben Simmons would return for Monday's Game 4. And at that time, I was just thinking to myself, why can't he just play on Saturday? Like, what? How much is he going to be able to heal to where the point he's ready to play and to where he's not in that one-day period of rest? So my initial reaction was he should have played Saturday. However, he was going to base that major setback would be the loss in Game 3. So his whole mental process was if we're down 2-1, to one, I'm going to come back and I'm going to play the second home game. And they lost. And he's like, eh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the first player in NBA history to lose back-to-back elimination games, because he would have been the first player in NBA history to play in consecutive elimination games to get eliminated. So, I mean, take it for what you want, but I just think Ben Simmons is a fraud, as everyone does. Like in the media, that's all we see: Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, Shaq. All these guys are calling him out, and he's just quiet and he's just going to sit on the sideline on the bench looking like a box of fruity pebbles like he needs to get his act together no. I, don't, I don't know what's his problem right and, and i think it's to the point where it's like once he plays again i think that it might be to the point where he gets the astros treatment like a jose altuve bregman treatment where and correa where he just absolutely gets 
trashed. Uh, every single opposing city he goes to, I think whenever he has the ball, you could say it's kind of like a Kyrie treatment as well, where he's getting booed at all times. Now, I don't think Ben Simmons is going to play this whole year. Um, and a weird question comes from if the Nets get swept tonight, and I'm not saying that they are going to get swept. Obviously, we're Celtics fans. You know, I have the best point guard on our team, Peyton Pritchard's jersey behind me um, for all the people watching on YouTube. Um, if the Nets get swept, something has to happen to that organization, right? Now, is it going to be KD and Kyrie splitting up? What's going to happen to Ben? Is Steve Nash going to go? Will, what what do you think is the first move that the Nets need to make if they uh, end up exiting after this first round this year? Well, the split up won't happen. I can tell you that. There's no chance that happens. They already said it before. Obviously, we can't take anyone's word for anything. Because we all know where that happened. Well, we all know what happened after the last time everyone took Kyrie's word. But, like, I don't genuinely think that's going to happen. I don't think there's a place where, like, I mean, yes, Katie could fit, I guess, on anyone's team. But I don't really know where Kyrie would go. I feel like a lot of teams are just already established. They're either committed to the rebuild or they have a team that they're ready to roll with. And they're just missing a couple pieces. And I don't feel like Kyrie would be a piece. Like, obviously, any team would like to have someone like a Kyrie. But, like, I just don't see the fit in many other places. For that to make sense, I feel like it would it would go to Steve Nash right away. And I feel like that's kind of the tendency that happens with new newer teams where the head coach goes first before the players. Yeah, I, I think it would just make sense for uh, the Nets to move on from Steve Nash. I, I was thinking that, honestly, before this series even started, um, I think Steve Nash could fit with a team. I've been saying this maybe for years now, ever since he got hired. I, I I think before the first game he coached, I said this. I think that Steve Nash would fit better with a team such as, I mean, I'll just throw one out there, like the Cavs or the Thunder, a, a young team that both sides can grow together with and um, and learn a lot from each other. Now, him trying to coach a team full of superstars, I mean, Players that played against him, too. Like, we can't forget about this. It's a little bit more difficult to gain respect, even if you're someone like a Steve Nash who's won two MVPs. Um, it's a weird situation that the Nets are in, right? And I think that the worst part is that KD and Kyrie aren't coming through. It's not like the rest of their team is playing awful, which, honestly, everybody but Bruce Brown kind of is. But Katie and Kyrie, I mean, in game three, they both had 16 points. Jason Tatum is locking up KD when he's guarding him. Marcus Smart is locking down Kyrie when he's guarding him, with the exception of game one. Um, overall, like, are we surprised, Stav? Are, are you surprised by how well the Celtics are doing with the first-round matchup? Or do we really think this is just the case of, oh, it's a two versus a seven? They're a seven seed for a reason. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, if I'm being honest, no one really predicted a sweep. Everyone was kind of saying five games. And going back to our original predictions, I did think we basically said five, six games max. And we're kind of right. I mean, if hypothetically the Celtics lose on Monday, the day of this recording, I can't see them losing at home. I just think everything defensively is clicking, you know, Everything that we've praised the Celtics for in the second half of the year is cut, like is being very – how do I want to say this? Like it's under a microscope. Everything that they've done in the second half is being brought to light right now. You know, a thing I don't like is that a lot of the national media is saying that this is all the bad of the, the Nets. Like they're playing awful. Not really giving the Celtics much credit for what they're doing. 
So I wish there was a little bit more attention on the Celtics because I do think that this is the team that they are. I think they're absolutely forcing the Nets to be panicked. I think they're throwing them off their game, especially KD. Every time KD is running through a screen, he's getting popped by someone. You know, it's like they're playing very physical with these guys, and I don't think they're used to it. So I want to give credit to the Celtics. And kind of like reiterating what you guys were saying, Steve Nash should go. Like, it's not a right fit. However, he's not going to because I think there was a report today saying KD loves him in the front office, loves him. So he's probably going to stay. Kyrie has this opt-in, opt-out situation. If I'm the Nets, I was just thinking about this before. Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, is for, he, he's got to go. Like, this experiment, although he hasn't played, he's got to go. Like, I don't care. Like, look at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's playing on a torn ligament in his thumb, his shooting thumb. Like, he needs surgery. He actually needs surgery, but he's going to play through it. There are going to be guys who are going to be on one leg who are going to play in this playoffs. Like, we'll get to the Suns in a little bit, but Devin Booker has a bad hamstring. Hamstrings don't heal quick. Hamstrings go forever. And he's going to end up coming back, I think. And it's just Ben Simmons, man. What are you doing? Like, I think the Nets should trade Kyrie and Ben Simmons for De'Aaron Fox and Devonta Sabonis. And I think that, like, that would be a perfect fit for both of those teams. I think the Kings need something to be excited about. I think the Nets need pieces to build around KD, not another ISO scorer. Get, let De'Aaron Fox facilitate. You got Sabonis, who's a, who can spread out the floor. KD, obviously. Seth Curry's still going to be there. You got Drummond. You got Nick Claxton. You still got Dragic and all these guys. That team is so much better with De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis than Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Uh, and De'Aaron Fox is someone who we really haven't heard from the past couple of years because of how quiet a market is in Sacramento. But speaking of Sacramento, every time I think of the Kings, I think of my good friend Will and, and how he really thought that Sacramento was a good place uh, for our guy Kyle Kuzma to become a superstar. Will, how do you like the sound of Kyrie and Ben Simmons going to Sacramento and maybe winning some games? That Are you a fan of the Kings? No, I'm not a fan of the Kings okay. at all. Okay, I needed to clear that up. It's been in my mind for months. For um, months. We've been talking about this back and forth. Oh, yeah. No, I have a friend that is from Sacramento. He's a Kings fan. So, you know, I have to give him a quick shout-out every now and then. But, super uh, rare, by the way. Yeah, super rare. Oh, I'm not a, not a Kings fan. I just thought that would be a good place for him. But I don't, for, I don't know if that would even work out. I mean, like, it would work out more for the Nets than it would the Kings. I feel like... You just can't win in Sacramento. That's just, like, not a thing. Right. But, I mean, if they can get a trade going, I think Sacramento would be in for that to sell some tickets uh, up in California. And the Nets would be pretty set with De'Aaron Fox, who can facilitate for KD. DeMontis Sabonis, who who is potentially, I mean, an all-star year in and year out. Double-double machine. He could probably run the five for that team uh, in a small ball lineup. I actually like the idea that Stav brought up of having those two for the Nets, but you're right, Will. It, it, the only reason it would make sense for the Kings is just to get some butts and seats um, in that arena. Um, but looking out into the rest of the NBA, we actually have an interesting series between a one and an eight seed in the Western Conference, and that's between the Pelicans and the Suns. Stav brought it up for a second. No Devin Booker with a hamstring injury. The series is tied two to two. I'll go to you, Will. Are or should the Suns fans be scared? Are they going to close this out with the next two games? Or do you think the Pelicans have a chance? 
And in my opinion, it's either going to go to the seven games or they're going to finish out in the, in six. It's either the Suns in six. If the Pelicans, I think the Pelicans win in seven. That's fair. At first, I was like, yeah, it's either going to go six or seven. That's all that happens. But but you have either if it if it goes six, it's the Suns. Yeah. If it goes seven, it's the Pelicans. That's that's super fair. What about you, Staff? I think it's going to go six either way. I don't think it's going to get to a game seven. I think the winner of this next game really does decide the winner. If the Pelicans can steal another game in Phoenix without Devin Booker, they're going to force – I feel like the Suns have to force Devin Booker back. He's not going to be 100%. He's going to be missing his shots. Chris Paul clearly can't carry a team. Like He got absolutely clamped by the guards of New Orleans and Herb Jones and all these guys. So if New Orleans wins this next game, they will win in six. And the same thing goes with Phoenix. If Phoenix wins, they'll win in six. I, I think, honestly, like, if the Suns win this series, they're honestly in, in I guess, for future sight, they're kind of screwed with this injury. I think it just sets them back a little too far, yeah. especially because it's a hamstring injury. Like, you're going to force them to play because of the situation they're in in the series. They couldn't close out early enough. It's going to, I don't know. Without Devin Booker, they're a completely different team. Yeah. And hypothetically, even if they do advance, they run into either – Dallas or Utah and that series has turned into a actually pretty good series which I didn't think I thought Dallas ended up sweeping or winning in five or whatever but um that's not an easy matchup you need Devin Booker for that like if they don't have Devin Booker then I think either Utah or Dallas advances in the next round yeah right I think it's just the fact that if the Pelicans honestly I would Say this already is a is a Pelicans win just for the fact that this isn't a four game series like we honestly all thought it would be or a five game series. Um, just tiring them all the other guys down on the Suns is, is big, right? Because you're gonna go into this next series, you're gonna be playing Luca, or you're gonna pl- be playing Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. It's not gonna be easy no matter what. I don't think either of those teams that they'll be playing are like championship contenders. Um, unless Luca just absolutely takes over, but I don't think the Jazz has what it have what it takes. Um, but they're they're a team that could give the Suns a run for their money. Um, I think they're lucky that they're not playing either the Nuggets or the Warriors because I think first off, I think that the Warriors are in prime position to make a finals run this year. I think they really snuck up out of nowhere. But but the uh, the Suns, I mean. They're they should be nervous, right? With D book out with this hamstring injury, like we're all saying, he's going to be forced to come back early. Um, and just the fact that these are long series, right? And, and you need, if you're a team with an injury, you need to handle your business, um, when like it needs to be done. And in this series, it did need it had to happen right it had to happen sorry the english is so difficult for me um (laughs) with the pelicans though this should have been a four or five game series right this is what i'm trying to say the fact that it's going to go six potentially seven this is a big deal for the suns they're going to be tired and and they're not going to have an easy matchup like this um for the rest of their championship run and i really think this sets them back a little bit um, Stav, going back to the Pelicans, however, what would this team look like with Zion? Do you think that Zion, I mean, could potentially come back next year? They could have a lineup with Graham, CJ McCollum, B.I., Zion, Jackson Hayes. And do you think they could be a top five Western Conference playoff team with Zion fully ha- healthy? I mean, playing the way that he was before he was out? I think that's exactly where I'll put him. I'll put him at the fifth seed. I think, I mean... Give or take, you got your top three teams in the West with 
Phoenix, um, Golden State, and Memphis. They're there to stay, especially with the – and then you got guys in Denver who are going to be coming back healthy. And then you got, like, teams like Dallas. I mean, Utah might have to blow it up. So I think New Orleans fully healthy with everyone. They're deep. With the emergence of Jose Alvarado, he brings this element to the game that they desperately needed. His constant pressure and energy feels like what everyone thinks Patrick Beverly does. Like, I can't tell you the last time I've seen in an NBA game an eight-second violation called, never mind on Chris Paul. Chris Paul is an all, like, top three point guard of all time, arguably, and Jose Alvarado made him look stupid last night, twice. So it's just that team is so deep. If if Zion could come back, you got guys like Jackson Hayes coming off the bench. You got Herb Jones. You got it's just like they're so much better with Zion. And I wish somehow he could come back. I mean, he's doing through the leg stunks and all this stuff. Reggie Miller said it best. You can give me 15 minutes a game if you're doing that. So I wish, I wish we could get to see Zion like make a WWE style appearance in game six if they're about to eliminate the Suns. I think that'd be awesome, but obviously it's not likely. But look at Valanchunas as well. Jonas Valanchunas is giving them such strong minutes and Aiton's kind of getting his offensively, but defensively they have no excuse or no um, answer for Valanchunas. So this isn't going to be easy. The next two games for Phoenix by no means are going to be easy with or without Devin Booker. Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans, this Pelicans team, if they can beat the Suns, they're not a team to play around with anymore. Like, now now they're in for to make a run in the playoffs. Like, they, they have the same strengths and abilities as the five and the six seeds. Like, in my, like what you said earlier, Stav, I think next year the Pelicans are a true playoff seed, not playing. Right, and, and I agree 100% with that. I think... I'm not a big Zion guy, obviously, uh, me and Will, UNC fans. Um, but Zion's a guy that can give you 20 points a game and all from the paint, shoot a couple of three balls here and there with that atrocious form. Hopefully he's fixing that throughout rehab as well. Um, but I think that when Zion comes back, a lot of stress is going to be taken off his shoulders because in a sense that this won't be his team. I think Brandon Ingram is a guy who is taking the next steps in this playoff run. I mean, if they could potentially get into the second round, if not, I mean, they're an eight seed. This is exactly where we thought they would be, but Brandon Ingram has been playing awesome and and he's been guarded by Mikal Bridges, who who's a guy that people looked at in the deep poor running, who's probably going to make an all defensive team. And Brandon Ingram is just doing whatever he wants against him. I think the fact that he's really rising throughout these playoffs is a sign of what we've seen from the past many years when he was on the Lakers and now on the Pelicans, that this is a guy that can really get it done a year in and year out, potentially an all-star player. Um, I think that Brandon Ingram can be a guy that is is going to make a couple of runs in his career with this team. And I think it's going to be a great duo between him and Zion Williamson. I love the emergence of Jackson Hayes. I think potentially next year, I know we were just talking about Valanchunas. Jackson, Jay is a guy, Jackson Hayes, a guy's who, guy who can jump out of the gym, just absolutely do everything with his athleticism. I think he can learn a lot of lessons from Valanchunas, and I think he already has. He's been playing fantastic throughout this first round of the playoffs. The Pelicans are a team to look for, and 
and their future is very bright. I, I think that they're going to be an incredible team come the next few years. Looking on uh, to that second round matchup that either of these teams could potentially face, we got the Mavs, we got the Jazz. That series is tied two to two. We saw the most, the most unanticipated thing ever happen. And that was a pass between Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Stav. We've been talking about this forever. How surprised were you that that happened to win that game? Or is that just what's happening because of playoffs and you think that they're still not patching up this friendship? Oh, no, they hate each other. You can tell. You you just can tell. And usually I don't get out of my seat when, like, another team does something. Like I, I obviously I watch the games. I, I get excited like things that are cool. That I, but I usually rarely get out. Of, I never get out of my seat. But that pass for Donovan Mitchell, the assist, not even the pass, the alley oop, like from <laughs> Mitchell to Gobert. I was like, I got out of my seat. I'm like, this is the most unanticipated thing ever. Um, it just they're not gonna. That it really took everything for the jazz to win that game um you i think it's very it's not talked about at all the fact that oh my god I'm, why am i blanking on his name the guy who missed two free throws the possession after mitchell had the and one someone missed two free throws one of the big men number seven i can't ah, i can't remember his name Dwight powell yeah yep yep he, he missed missed two free throws that would have put the game basically out of reach I mean, no, it would have put him up by three, and that Mitchell to go bear lob wouldn't have happened. The, the yep, Jazz would yep. have had to hit a three. So it's just this whole string of things that worked out perfectly. I mean, Mitchell, he, he – all right, Luca hits a step back three, right? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Real growers use True North Equipment, the premier provider of John Deere products and services. Schedule your post-harvest equipment inspection today so your equipment is prepared for go time. True North Equipment is offering no payments, no interest financing on inspections, parts, and services until November 2023. Minimum $200 purchase for inspections of tractors, combines, seating, hay, and windrowers, and spraying. Schedule today on the My True North customer portal at truenorthequipment.com. The Jazz go down the court. Mike Conley drives, kicks it to Mitchell. Mitchell goes up, misses the first layup, gets the offensive rebound, and then gets an and one. So he makes his free throw, makes it a one-possession or one-point game, and then they foul Powell. Powell misses both free throws, and then the alley-oop happens. So the Mavs choked this game more so than the Jazz won the game, in my opinion. So I think the Mavs are going to end up cleaning up the series, especially with Luka returning. Um, yeah, Mavs and six. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Stav. Mavs and six on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree on the team. I'm gonna go seven games. I think the Jazz uh, find a way to squeak one out. I think it's gonna be another one where the Mavs lose themselves the game. Um, and I just want to say that I think that 
the Mavericks did literally the worst job they could possibly do building this team. It's just the fact that Jalen Brunson and like these different guys have really come alive in the playoffs. This isn't a team that like I can see two or three starters staying there for a championship run. Honestly, I can only see Luca being a starter on a championship team um, when it comes to that Mavs lineup, but they're getting it done against the Jazz who have gone through a lot of issues this year as well. It's going to be an interesting uh, end to this series. I think that the Mavs are going to clean up. It's honestly just the fact that Luka Doncic is on the other side of the basketball. And, um, you know, a lot of questions have come from that side of, like, he wins first-round playoff series. He doesn't do much else after that. I think it's the classic case of that once again this year. Moving on to the next series, we got the Grizzlies, the T-Wolves, another two versus a seven. Um, This one, though however, has been amazing to watch. Um, This series, maybe, maybe, maybe the best series of the first round. Um, Two young teams. Cat, his inconsistencies may hold them back, but right now they're tied up at 2-2, Will. Um, First off, do you think it'll go seven? If yes, who's going to win? If no, who's going to win how many games? Um... hmm. This series is kind of crazy. It's, I think, the best one so far. Um, Hart wants the Timberwolves, but, like, why Why believe in them is the question. So, I, I think I have to go with the Grizzlies, and I think in six. In six? I, I'm, I'm in agreement, but I'm going to say Grizzlies in seven just because we don't know which version of both teams are going to show up. Right. I, I guess I'll... I'll also pick the Grizzlies. I really don't think the Timberwolves have what it has, what it takes uh, just against a two seed. You know, Um, I'm going to take them. I'm going to go six as well. I think they take the next two and you know whose fault it's going to be. It's going to be all Carl Anthony Towns fault. Anthony Edwards as well, dealing with an injury. I think he's good to go, though. He's fine. He he limped off the court off a non-contact injury and then came back like 10 minutes later. So it might have been just like, you know, like. Oh, who else did that? Somebody else did that, I think, in the Warriors-Nuggets game. And it was like, those are the really nerve-wracking ones because the non-contact injuries, it's either like literally nothing happened and you just got nervous or your whole knee or leg is gone. So um, hopefully he's fine. Anthony Edwards has been electric throughout this series as well. We've seen a lot of these young guys step up this year. And it's pretty cool to see the next uh, next coming of potential superstars. It's been pretty fun. And Jason Tatum, another name on that list, I think, at a higher caliber as Anthony Edwards. But um, it's been exciting. Um, moving on, we got a little one seed, eight seed matchup. Uh, the Heat getting it done against the Hawks. Um, I I just really think that the Hawks, every year I think this. Now, they made a run last year. The Hawks remind me of the Mavs of the East. They have one guy, and honestly, other than that, in my opinion, I think the whole system should be blown up. The Heat up 3-1 Stav. Trey Young, I mean, not doing fantastic. Do you think the Hawks have to do some serious changes over this offseason, or do you think they got to ride with their guys? Trey Young... I, let me just kind of say something about the Hawks. They, they're a glorified AAU team. Um, they they don't play basketball a good way. Like, last year in the playoffs, I think they just got lucky with their matchups. You know, in the first round, they faced the Knicks, and look at the Knicks now. And then the next round, they faced the Sixers, the Ben Simmons thing, where Ben Simmons just forgot how to play basketball. So, and then they faced the Bucks and got exposed. 
And that's kind of the trend of the Hawks this year. They kind of got figured out. Trey Young got figured out. And if Trey Young isn't hitting his half-court shots, he looks like the worst basketball player on the court. Like, I don't know if you guys watched the game at all last night, but there was like five instances in a row where Trey Young kept pulling up from deep and he would miss badly. And the heat would just go down layups, 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 layups. Like they physically dominated the Hawks. They mentally dominated them. And this is, they're going to win in five. Like the, the, the Hawks got very lucky that the heat choked in game uh, three. Yeah, no, the the Hawks have no chance. Their play style is just it, you can't play. Last year they didn't play a team that played defense like this until they lost, and they barely lost. Didn't, didn't that series go to seven games? Am I wrong on that one? The Hawks in the Hawks? Year, yeah, no, it went five. Went five. Okay. Went five. Um, I mean, they haven't played a team that plays defense like the Heat and like. In their runs, and obviously, like I said before, I just don't think their play style makes makes like helps them. Sorry, I'm having a hard time with English as well. Um, it happens, trust me. Yeah, I don't know, just drew blank. But no, I don't think Trey Young can be the solo guy on that team just to carry them anymore. I think they need to build pieces around them. They need to have their pieces that they have develop more. And I feel like he's kind of setting them back by just taking by him taking charge. Like there's nothing wrong with a player on your team who's a star who said, okay, this is my team. I need to show up. But there's a difference between showing up and then showing up with your team. I think right. he's uh sorry to interrupt, but I think Maybe. he's hurting them more than he's helping them. This this series alone, he has 24 turnovers and he only has 20 baskets made. Like that's over a four game stretch. You can't do that if you're a star player. And this is kind of going off of a, a hunch, but I think that the Hawks regret the Luca Trey trade. I think I mean, that, I, I would. Yeah. Like I, it's always said, like, oh, this is the most even trading it. Hell no. Like the Mavericks clearly went. Luka Doncic is miles better than Trey Young. I think Trey Young is one of the most overrated players in the NBA. And the only way he could really prove me wrong is if he stops pulling up from 50 feet and starts passing the ball. Like, there's this clip that's circulating of one possession in the third quarter of that game, uh, the game four, where Trey Young gets smothered on the inbound by P.J. Tucker. They set a screen for him gets picked up by Bam Adebayo, set another screen, and picks up by Jimmy Butler, three of the better on-ball defenders in the league. Not once has he even looked to pass. Like, by the t- the only time he passes after he dribbled for 20 seconds of the shot clock and passed out of a jump shot because he was getting smothered and made Bogdanovich shoot a contested three. So how you beat good on-ball pressure is by passing the ball. If you consistently pass the ball and you swing it, you will. someone will be open. Like, Trey Young is too worried about his individual stats than the overall success of the team. Right. And I think it's the fact that these young guys look at, at them being the number one option as, Oh, I have to go out there and take 30, 40 shots in a night. Right. When it comes to the playoffs. Um, but something that I think that set Jason Tatum apart this year that Trey young isn't doing at all is the fact that he needs to step up in all categories, not just the shots that he's taking, the amount of shots that he's taking, but the quality of the shots, um, the facilitation through him, because obviously you need to facilitate through your best player, but there's also four other people on the court. 
And I think that the fact that the four other people on the court consist usually, right, I was watching the game last night, of Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I honestly think is their second best player, if not Danilo Gallinari off the bench, who's been getting it done just because he knows how to play basketball. And I honestly don't think the rest of these guys do. Um, on this Hawks roster, I think John Collins is all right. Uh, he's good at dunking, but honestly, that's about it. He hasn't really done anything that's excited me um, since he absolutely dunked on uh, Joel Embiid last year. Since then, I think he's honestly been awful. Another person I don't like at all, who I used to like from Maryland, um, is Kevin Huerta. I think he's just absolutely awful. I watched him take about, it's not even just Trey Young at this point. I watched him take about four or five contested double team three pointers because the shot clock is at 1.5 because Trey Young has the ball for 23 seconds in a possession. Um, it's just the way that they play basketball stuff. And you absolutely pinned the nail on that. It was, it was just the fact that they play this team kind of like how Memphis plays uh, the University of Memphis. They just run up and down the court. They shoot threes. Their best player has the ball in their hands at all times. Um, it's ugly. It's an ugly way of playing basketball. It's not how you play basketball and win in the National Basketball Association. And that's why the Miami Heat, who are one of the better teams in basketball, are up 3-1. And they're going to win this series in five. I, I actually really don't think there's any way that the Hawks win game five and force it to six. I think the Hawks are done. I think some serious changes need to be made. And I think Trey Young is a guy that can very much so succeed. I just don't think he has the tools around him, one. And, and number two, I don't think he has his head straight. I don't think that he understands what it actually takes to win playoff series because you're right, Stav. Actually looking at what he went through last season with those two playoff series that they won, they played the Knicks and the, an absolute fraudulent team, and they proved it this year. Um, Ju Julius Randle being their best basketball player honestly should have told us in the first place that this team isn't actually good at basketball. Um, and then number two, the 76ers, who were honestly playing basketball against themselves at that point. We knew they had no chance of winning. Um, so I'm glad you brought all those points up. Um, the Hawks are just in the absolute mud. Some serious changes need to be made. I think Trey Young can still get it done. I just think he needs to figure out some things. He's still young. I want to say he's about 23. Um, he's got some years ahead of him. But moving on um, to the second round matchup that the Celtics would potentially be playing if the Celtics win one of these next four games. Um, we got the Bucks and the Bulls. This is another series where, I mean, the Bucks being the two seed, uh, or the three seed, excuse me. They're just amazing. They're they're an amazing team. It's the reason why they won the NBA championship last year. Chris Middleton being out is big. I, in my opinion, I'm looking. I'm not even gonna lie. Like I'm actually just looking at Celtics versus Bucks at this point, guys. At this point, guys. Uh, if you think otherwise, let me know. But it's gonna be seize Bucks, and and we've had some great playoff series with them. In the past few years, Chris Middleton has honestly killed us. I, Chris Middleton is a guy that, like, he's never good until he plays against the Celtics, I feel like. This is big that he could potentially be out through round two. Um, but I really think that the Bucks beating up on the Bulls is just 
showing exactly how bad the Bulls are. Remember when they were the one seed like halfway through the year and then we all noticed that they hadn't actually played anybody good? And then once they started playing good teams, they were the sixth seed. So, stop. I, I want to hear your thoughts on the Bulls and, and then I want to I, I want to hear what you're thinking for this potential round two matchup. Um, initial thoughts on the Bulls that they are on the Bulls. I said the Bull. On the Bulls is they need Lonzo. Lonzo Ball is really impactful and I, I think He's going to get a lot of respect this offseason, especially by that organization, because right when he started, like right when he got hurt, they started a slope in a downward trend or in a downward slope, wherever you want to say it. But um, they can't, they have no answer for Giannis. They have, they have no answer. Like every time down the court, it just seems as if he lowers his shoulder into the chest of the defender and gets a dunk. He hits a mid-range shot, and he's starting to shoot his threes and be confident. Like, and then you got the other guys like Grayson Allen stepping up and having 15 points off the bench. Drew Holiday's going to get his. Like, the Bucks are very good. It's just the Bulls are also pretty bad. I think the Bulls, without Lonzo, are pretty bad. Like, they don't have defense. Vucevic isn't a paint defender. Like, he gets his rebounds. He can score – but he, he can't defend. I mean, DeMar DeRozan never has really been known as a defender. Zach Levine can't play defense. Like, Patrick Williams is a rookie. He can't guard Giannis. Like, they have no paint presence, and you need paint presence to beat the Bucs. And that's why I do think the Celtics match up perfectly with the Bucs. You know, I agree. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, because I know I said before how Middleton is very impactful for that team, how he scores a lot of points, and how – him being out could result in a tough series for them. I think they're going to wrap it up next game easy. Our matchup against the Bucks potentially, we match up perfectly against them. Obviously, like you said, Griff Milton usually kills us. He's not going to be there for that, so that helps us a good amount. But, I mean, the Bucks are usually good without Middleton until they see a team that has a good paint presence. Because then it forces a lot on their outside guys, which – which takes Giannis out of the paint, forces him to take shots, and then that's how they crumble. Right, and, and and that's very true. I think just Giannis in general, it's not even their paint presence against the Bucks. It, it's it's the opposing team's paint presence against Giannis. Um, Bobby Portis has been a guy that's been getting it done for them, and then they have they have Brooke Lopez. That's who came back, right? Um, at center who's starting for them now who's been very good as well those are two guys that honestly don't do much in the paint right they they're actually both of them have been known for their three-point shooting ability uh since becoming a member of the milwaukee bucks um i don't know the exact timeline for chris middleton um four days ago um it said to miss at least two weeks so like he could potentially be back later in the series um not 100 percent sure like exactly where that lines up um, but Stav, with Chris Middleton out, Drew Holiday obviously there, Marcus Smart will be assigned to him most likely. Who do you think is the best matchup on the Boston Celtics when it comes to guarding Giannis? I think they're just going to do what they're doing kind of with KD right now, where we're going to kind of stick a guard or Jason Tatum, like full court basically on him, face guarding him with help from Robert Williams kind of as that free safety. However, the thing that does kind of hurt the Celtics is Robert Williams can't play that free safety role because one through five on that team can shoot regardless of Middleton's in or out because Bobby Portis, he's a stretch for like he can hit his threes. 
Brooke Lopez is a good shooter. You don't want to get him knocking down his shots. Then you got Drew Holiday, obviously. Like, these guys can all shoot. So it's going to be a little bit difficult. I do think that they're going to have Al Horford shadowing him basically at all times. And, like, one guy's going to be open, and it's really going to come down to, okay, I'm going to let Bobby Portis beat us. And Will, do I sound dumb? This is my honest opinion. Do I sound dumb for thinking that we can win this series in five with Al Horford guarding Giannis? I think Al Horford can actually do not everything. He's not going to stop him, but I think he can slow him down enough for us to actually cruise by the Bucks. Do I do I sound stupid, or is that something that could actually happen? You think Al Horford is too old to do it? I mean, because if you remember in 2018, we had. First off, Sammy Ojale, who, who's an absolute beast. Maybe we should bring him back. His title. But, yeah, but, but when Ojale wasn't in, we had Al Horford on him, and he did a pretty good job. Do you think that Al Horford could, could really step up and be a guy that, I mean, could bring us into this next round? Well, not only Al Horford, because, like, he can definitely get part of the job done, but the way we play defense as a collective, we kind of – go on the court and kind of like Marcus Smart is our guy in the middle almost like in in a way where he kind of is the anchor and we kind of play around him he kind of moves around picks off picks off some steals and then we fall in where he falls out we kind of like run this weird like man zone kind of like I don't really know how to describe switching on all screens and all of that We're, we're switching on on everything which causes which is why we're getting so many turnovers which is why we're running the fast break excellently excellently and that's why we're so good in transition like both both sides of the ball we always have someone on offense ready to score when we get a steal and we're always on our way back backpedaling and we always have someone in the middle ready to make a stop especially if we're left shorthanded so if and Giannis is usually on those other sides of those fast break on those fast breaks for the bucks so i feel like we're Easily well equipped, well equipped, if not the most well equipped team to beat this Bucks team. Yeah, right. I, I, I agree with go for it, stuff. Um, I do kind of like that Celtics and five take. It just really depends on if they can keep the keep up the defensive pressure. And I do think that the winner of this series goes to the finals. I don't think necessarily that the the Sixers kind of shorthanded if you get what I'm saying with Joel Embiid's thumb injury and the Heat are missing Kyle Lowry and that team is so much better with Kyle Lowry and even when he comes back it's a hamstring hamstring injuries linger like you don't heal from a hamstring injury like within two months in my personal like opinion I know these guys have the best doctors to assist them with everything that they're going through but it's it's going to be tough I, I think that the the Bucks and the Celtics are the two best teams in the East and I think good karma is coming the Celtics' way because they didn't dodge the Nets. Very, that's very true. Um, I like I like the takes from the both of you. I think it really is going to come down to the whole team when it comes to um, stopping Giannis. And we talked about us stopping the Bucks. I don't think that the Bucks have everything that they need to stop us. You're very right. I think we're the better team no matter what, Stav. I agree with you 100%. Whoever wins that second round series will be in the uh, playing for an NBA championship. I'm not guaranteeing a win out of the East because the Western Conference is very good. Um, but before we move away, we we brought up the Celtics again. I just want to say DraftKings has us at number two 
um, on odds to win it all. Number one actually being the Golden State Warriors. Speaking of the Golden State Warriors, currently up 3-1 in this series um, against the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, a team that's been struggling with injuries since the beginning of the season with no Jamal Murray, who is their starting point guard usually. Um, honestly, the Nuggets winning... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about Exonix therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control. It gave me my life back. Exonix therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. This last game, um... It was kind of just like uh this is all we have. Like I I that's the way that I saw it. I watched the game from start to finish. I, I've fallen in love with this Warriors team with Jordan Poole. Um there was a video though of Clay Thompson not getting the ball. And when Clay Thompson wants the ball, I, I know this from personal experience of watching Warriors games. When Clay Thompson wants the ball, he's gonna make a shot. You might as well just give him the ball. But Jordan Poole didn't give it to him, maybe. That might be a little difficulty, but you got to let him shine while he's in uh, right now. This death lineup from the Warriors is seriously dangerous. Uh, like I said, they're the favorite to win it all. Will, looking still at this first round, it's a 3-1 to one series. The Warriors, um, no no PTSD hopefully given to Warriors fans uh, when 3-1 to one is up. Do we think they close this out um, in, in how many games? And, and how do you think the Warriors are shaping up for the rest of this run? Um, easily next game they close it up. When you see a team like the Nuggets play the way they did, um, was it last night or the night before? It was last night, right? It was last night, right? Yeah. Um, when you see them play like that, give it all they have to win one game, especially on the brink of – going home, they're not going to win another game. You don't see a team like that play like that for multiple, multiple games. Like, we've seen the past 3-1 series where, like, the team needed a win, but it's not like they weren't in it before. Like, it, like most, like at least one to two of those games that they've lost out of the three were close games. It's not like they didn't have a, it's not like they didn't have a chance. And the Warriors are pretty much just, like, blowing completely over them, and they really don't have a shot. So they're going to clean this up in game five. Um, the Warriors are elite, and there's nothing to be surprised by that. They always kind of have, and I feel like their seeding makes it scarier for everyone because they're a team that's going to peak at the right time, which they are right now, and they've kind of been low-key all season. Yeah, and them getting yeah, them getting that three seed, well, I really like that you brought up that point. They're going to face the winner of the Grizzlies-Timberwolves series, who they're both beating each other up. Like That's a very physical series. 
And both of those play styles that the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves play, like, is completely opposite from what the Warriors play. The Warriors are so fast, <clears throat> running gun threes, just assist passes, everything. When there's a lot of, I mean, both offenses are kind of quick and athletic, but they don't bring the shooting that the Warriors bring. I mean, Desmond Bain had a really good game, but he's not Clay Thompson. He's not Steph Curry. He's not Jordan Poole. He's not Andrew Wiggins. He's not Draymond Green. Like, those guys, they're just so deep that Warriors, it's just the stars are aligning for that to come to fruition. I like, sorry, like, I think, like, if you look at their matchup defensively, who's really going to stop them? I don't really think any of those two teams can really slow them down as a whole team defensively, especially the way they pass the ball, how they're always open. They're ready to make that extra play. Like, they're playing as a team, and that's the most dangerous playoff team. That's the most dangerous team to see when a team plays like a team. Right, and, and it's not only that, but looking at that next-round matchup, they beat them, both teams. If you look at them against the T-Wolves, if you look at them against the Grizzlies, in my opinion, in every single category – the Warriors are better than both of those teams. Um, and I think one of the most important categories is experience. And, and what better team uh, to talk about experience than a team that has Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green, right? Now, you add someone like a Jordan Poole, who's, I mean, that this time last year was in the G League. This time two years ago was in a dorm room like the rest of us. Um, th- this guy is now dropping 30 points in, in, in an NBA playoff series. If you have someone to add to a core of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, you're automatically going to be a championship contender. They're better than both of these teams in, in the, that they are going to potentially play in the next round. And if Devin Booker doesn't come back 100% by the conference finals, first off, who even knows if they'll make it to the conference finals without him? And if they do, I think the Warriors are the perfect team to match up against the Phoenix Suns to outrun the Phoenix Suns and really give them a run for their money. The The Warriors are a dangerous team. We should have known it. This is the first time that they've actually been healthy in years. And to be honest, they're not even 100% healthy because they don't have James Wiseman. Now, I think James Wiseman could have given give them uh, a lot of quality minutes. Uh, but without them, they're still succeeding. They're still playing great. The last series of the first round uh, that we'll cover in this episode, we got the 76ers and the Raptors. The Sixers up 3-1. I don't think we have much to say about this. Um, we've talked a little bit about Embiid's thumb injury, so I guess we'll get into that stuff. How long do you think this is going to linger? Do you think he's going to be good to go throughout the whole playoff run? Or or do you think he's going to be battling this the whole time and it's really going to screw over the Sixers? Oh, he's going to be battling it the whole time. I think it was announced that he needs surgery in the offseason. And he said he wants to play through it. I think he's going to end up hurting him more than he thinks. I mean, he can't shoot. And half of his game is shooting from the free throw line. I mean, he'll still hit some free throws, but he probably won't shoot as much as, as like efficiently as he usually does because he's a pretty good free throw shooter. And it's really going to be like how far Harden takes him. And <clears throat> Harden really hasn't, other than like assists and facilitating, can't hit his shots. Like, I, I hate saying this because I think the Raptors aren't that good. But if the Raptors can steal game five, we have a series. Like, it's three to two 
I, I, no team has ever blown a 3-0 lead, and I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. But if I'm the Sixers, it, it's in the back of my head. Like, we're up 3-1, to one, going back home, close it out now. Don't let the Raptors hang around. Because then you go back to Toronto, game six, and then game seven, hypothetically, anything can happen. So, I, I don't know. It just that, that I'm going to kind of close out with that. But it's just... Close them out if you're the Sixers. That's really it. You, like, you kind of have to. I mean, his injury is going to linger the rest of the playoffs, especially if they win. Might as well take your win and see where how far it can take you to the rest of the playoffs because I think that, like Stav said, I think it's going to hurt them more than they realize it. Right, and it makes sense. I mean, it's Joel Embiid. He's their best player. Um, MVP runner-up, right? Because I think Jokic officially locked it down. Like, not officially, officially, but I, I think, think it, it got leaked that he locked yeah. it down, right? Um, MVP runner-up, Stoff, I bet you're very happy with the fact that he is not going to be the MVP because you're a guy that has been totally against that with our free throws. Um, but that's going to wrap up our NBA section, and that means we're going to be moving on to the MLB, specifically the Red Sox. We're all excited. Stav, I'll let you take us over from here. Okay, the Red Sox have an upcoming series in Toronto. We don't have Tanner Houck and Cutter Crawford sitting at 7-9. and nine. Just lost a series to the Rays. We've lost four out of the five series that we've played this year. Um, when we started off, I thought that win with Trevor Story making that awesome play Friday night, that was a great win. That was a very quality win. I'm very happy with how they played. Then they get no hit through nine the next day. Go up 2 nothing in extras and then blow it. So it's like, and then they get smacked yesterday, which they were up 2 nothing, but then they ended up getting smacked. I don't know, like, what to think about this team right now. I'm concerned. And I know I can say this excuse probably for the rest <clears throat> until like late June. But there's plenty of baseball left. They have time to figure it out. I think the bats are going to eventually start to get rolling. But it sucks to lose games in the fashion that they've been losing. Yeah. I mean, I watched all these games <laughs> beginning to end. Friday's game was excellent. Uh, Saturday was a uh, big disappointment. Getting no hit, obviously, until the 10th inning. And then Bobby Dalway comes in, hits a triple, which is like the first hit all series. He was getting screwed over by the um, all series long. We even saw it last night. They were calling everything out of the zone. They're very questionable um, umpiring all around this weekend. But we really only have three guys on offense right now. Like Xander, Rafi, and I'm pretty sure um, – Verdugo are our best hitters right now. And I mean, JBJ is getting on base because he's drawing walks. And I think I texted this to Griff. I was like, he's probably one of the most influential players we have right now on this team, defensively and offensively, because he's just giving us good at bats. He's what we want him to do. So I feel like I'm getting, I'm feeling more confident from him staying in right field and having him out there just because we're getting quality at bats, especially in a time that we need offense. And he's getting, he stole, I think he stole his first base in the season, this series too, which was huge. Thanks to Kike. He kind of faked him out at third base and then he got over to second, but like, we really need everyone to step it up. I know Trevor story. He's, new team uh, there's an adjustment period we just have to get used to that but like defensively he's playing great i know he had a couple errors but i mean those are going to change up it's not like he didn't make the play he just couldn't finish it 
like he just couple off balance throws like you got to get used to where you're playing he's a shortstop not a second baseman but we really need to develop our bats more we like bobby is one of the biggest problems we have on this team and i feel like just because he comes in gets a hit every now and then and it happens to be one of the most important hits that we have all game can't be the reason why we have him on this team still Right, and, and I'm a guy, and I know Will's a guy, and, and I'm praying to God that Stav is a guy that last year, me and Will, I know for sure, we're committed to Bobby Dalbeck. We, I mean, in a sense, fell in love to him, right? This year, it's like, okay, honestly, he underperformed last year. He had a nice little run all that second half of the season, um, but he underperformed as a whole last season, um, and this season – we have options, right? Like we have different people in our farm system. And for you Red Sox nerds, uh, like I guess you could say we are, if you look into Worcester, we have Casas, who's obviously very young. Um, and, and we have Franchi Cordero. And that's a guy I've been looking at since the beginning of the season. As, as someone that's like, why aren't we just playing Franchi at first? I think Franchi's a guy that gets on base a good amount. I think he, he's going to get on base a lot more often than Bobby Dalek is. And Bobby D has turned into a guy for this Red Sox team that you put it perfectly, Will. He gets a big hit once every couple of weeks. And honestly, it's his only hit. Right, it's his only yeah. hit in the past couple of weeks, and it's like, all right, we just he just bought himself another month uh, as our starting first baseman. Travis Shaw, honestly, I think gives us better at bats. He had an absolute moonshot. I don't know how it was foul. The Trop is just a, a location that you don't want to play baseball at. I hate Tropicana Field. I hate the Tampa Bay Rays. I literally hate everything about Tampa Bay at this point in my life just because of the fact that Tropicana Field isn't even low. It's not even in Tampa Bay. So, it's you know what? stupid. I can't even give hate to, to that city. It is a great city. I've been there before. But Tropicana Field, it's so stupid. First off, there are catwalks. You hit the ceiling at all times. And then how, how can you not tell if a ball is fair or foul? It's only because of that bubble. Travis Shaw hit maybe a 700-foot home run. They called it foul. <laughs> Travis Shaw is a guy that I could see being our first baseman. If not Franchi Cordero, I'm praying to God that Tristan Casas is our next David Ortiz. Um, but we're screwed at first base right now. First base is a guy that's supposed to give you a lot of production. Bobby Dalbeck, I mean, that was the first triple I've ever saw from him. I didn't actually know that was possible for him to do. Um, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm a guy that gets nervous very quickly. I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm a Celtics fan. And I'm a Red Sox fan. Those are three teams that once they're done, they're done and they don't come back, right? So I am nervous for the Red Sox to fall in a hole. The Red Sox are the only team that can really dig themselves a hole a little bit and then hop out of it when it comes to my favorite teams. I, I'm nervous, right? Like, and I love our new lineup. I love story leading off. I think he's been doing a lot better since we've given him that role. Very, very, and you've very been cool. saying that every episode. Have we not stopped? Yeah. Yeah. And what's, what's funny about that is he's not even in the lineup today. So <laughs> of course he is. I, I oh my play. God. Don't we play in like, we play like 10 minutes. Um, but anyways, uh, this Toronto series, this Toronto series is, is something that we should really be looking at, right? As a as a preseason test, because we already played Toronto in a three game slate, but now we have to go on to the on the road to Toronto. Um, something I was actually kind of losing sleep over was the fact that. We knew Hauk wasn't going to pitch, right? But yeah, we didn't know who else was going to be out. Hunter they just Crawford. said, like, there's other unnamed Better people. I am Better very off. happy. I'm <laughs> very happy off. that it's – I mean, I mean, first off, Cutter Crawford 
is terrible. Like he sucks. Uh, second, second, I'm just happy that nobody else on this list. I thought we we're gonna have a list of like ten to fifteen people, and we were gonna be playing the Portland Sea Dogs against the Toronto Blue Jays. I like this lineup that they put out, minus the fact that Trevor Story isn't in it. Like this is a, I, this is might be a hot take. I love JBJ batting six right now. Like if we don't have Story in the lineup, JBJ has been giving them quality at bats. I mean, he he doesn't have a great average. It's just he's he's been okay this year. Like I, I don't mind him in right. He's playing well. His defensively. Went up. Yeah. Like, so obviously like we have Kike, this is the order. Kike, Verdugo, Bogarts, Devers, Mark, JD, JBJ, Bobby, Arroyo, Ploiecki. Like this lineup's pretty good. I like Ploiecki behind the dish. You got Evaldi going. So you got to win. You got to win a series. We've lost four out of the five series that we've played. It's not a good look. I mean, I, Please, please just win. Like, it'd be great to beat Toronto, and Toronto's really good. It just, it'd be, it'd be nice to win a series. I agree. I mean, I like, like you said, Stav, I'm loving JBJ so far this year. He's kind of surprising me. I don't know why we don't, getting back to the whole Bobby Dahlbeck situation before I give my output on the series, I don't know why we don't just put him at DH sometimes and play someone else at first base or take him out and put someone else at first base. Like, I give him the benefit of the doubt because he gets hit every now and then and he plays very well defensively. But we just can't have everyone play well defensively and can't hit the ball. We're never going to win a game. Like, that's just not going to happen. But I am going to say we were 5-4 and four last year at the Rogers Center. I'm going to take us 3-1. to one. This is the series where the bats get rolling. We were showing some progress this weekend until we were getting no hit. Yeah. But, like, I feel like this is the series that we get it going. We've seen them, what, this is, well, we would have seen them, what, seven times in, what, the last two weeks combined. Mm-hmm. So, it's... I feel like that's a good amount of times. We're seeing Berrios and Gosman the next two days which we've already seen. I believe we beat Barrios the first day we played the Blue Jays last week. No, we played uh, Kikuchi. We, we beat played, Kikuchi. Yeah. yeah Kikuchi. Wait, did we beat him? I thought he... I thought no, we Go- lost. Yeah, like... no, no, no. We lost to Gosman. Yeah, Gosman pitched like eight yeah. innings. Yeah, yeah, he torched yeah. us. Yep. Yeah, Um. you're right, Will. And it's the fact that I would like to see Bobby DH on... Some nights where we try out other guys at first base and and then a name that has fit in a name that we've seen play multiple positions and we saw him play first base a little bit last year is Christian Arroyo. Now, if we put story in the lineup, right, then somebody has to come out. Usually that's Arroyo. Some nights he plays right field instead of JBJ. But why not put Arroyo at first base and not focus on first base being such a power position, but but just someone that can get on base and have somebody else bring them in. I think that Arroyo at first could help us out a lot. At this point, we have guys with power, right? We just don't get on base. We really don't get on base. We need to make a change or two on this lineup. I think just simply putting Arroyo at first, allowing him to to really get on base, get a couple of singles, a couple of doubles, home run here and there, commit to him. I, I love the way that Christian Arroyo plays. Yeah. I 100% agree, and I think it's a perfect bridge first baseman until Cassis is ready to be called up. I think he is ready to be called up, to be honest. I mean, I don't blame them for not rushing him because we. I feel like as baseball fans, you expect the guy to get called up and then hit 345 home runs, when in reality, that's not the case. There's, an, there's a learning period, and I think if the Red Sox don't start to succeed, why not give a guy like Jaron Duran and, and Tristan Cassis Give them the call up. 
Like, let them actually play. Why not? Like, we have JBJ and Wright, who's we said he's been playing okay. Like, yeah. but Durant has a higher has a higher ceiling. Cassis is one of the best prospects in baseball. Like, if we start to lose, I would be excited if we started to rebuild with some of these guys in AAA. I mean, the Woo Sox are the best AAA team right now. So <laughs> it's like there's a reason most of these guys are ready. Like Tristan Cassis, he's not only hitting for power in AAA, he's getting on base too. Yeah. He's he's hitting singles like was he batting like three four hundred almost like so oh, I hear his name every single time I yeah. like see it all the time when I'm at work. Exactly worker at like, Park. Yeah, so like I like yeah. he's like I said All Star break was when we should see him, but we should see him earlier. I don't know why we shouldn't. Bobby Dahlbeck, like I like I love the guy. You know, I I feel bad saying this, but he sucks. <laughs> like yeah. like he's he, sucks. he does. He sucks. He actually like, does. I, I, like, even though I still have a smile on my face every time he goes up to bat, but, like, half the time I end up laughing because he has the most beautiful swing. But the ball – hit strikeouts. Up, had, like, <laughs> yeah, and then, like, honestly, I felt so bad because, like, he was really trying to have a good at bat, and they called the ball so far inside of him to strike, and it was low below the knees, and they just said strikeout. He looked at him like, what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. he, he can't hit the ball and then doesn't get the call. Like, he can't do anything. Like Right. I mean, it, it, and Bobby Dalbeck is a guy that, like, he's struggling. Like, and you can see it in his facial expressions, his body expressions. He he needs a hit, right? He needs something. That triple was really big for him because he was so frustrated. And it wasn't even after uh, a bad strike three call. It, it's been for a couple of weeks now starting off this season. He really hasn't got off um, to the right step that he wanted to take on uh, to begin this year and he knows it right and he's very upset with himself and it shows I, I i see him every single time he strikes out i see him strike out a lot i see him strike out around three to four times a ball game um to be specific um he the look on his face is like what am i doing right like i i suck like he looks like he's about to give up he needs something right so he can't he can't have these underlying factors play a part like an ump missing a call, right? And when that happens, that that throws him off even more. I think this might throw him into a mental loop. And the worst thing in baseball is being thrown in a mental loop. When you have to start thinking in baseball, it all goes downhill from there. Like your mindset has to be hit the ball and run, right? Like you can't be like, I need a hit bad. Because if you think in your head you need a hit in years of experience of playing baseball, every single time I thought that, I didn't get a hit. Honestly, every single time I didn't think that, I probably didn't get a hit either. I was not that good at baseball. I was all right. I was all right. But I'm nowhere near what Bobby Dalbeck is. But, like, he's a guy that, like, he can't have things go wrong from this point on or else he's going to be screwed for the rest of the season and it's not really something that the Red Sox can afford because we're looking to compete for for pennants this year. Yeah, especially after an ALCS run last year with Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. If you're looking for your next new truck, 
Trust Rush Truck Centers, the nation's largest commercial vehicle dealer network. Rush Truck Centers has trucks in stock throughout the country, including heavy, medium, and light-duty work vehicles. Plus, they offer a wide range of programs that help coordinate, monitor, and expedite vehicle service and repairs throughout their qualified service facilities. Check out their online inventory today at RushTruckCenters.com. That's RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Please speak to your Rush Truck Centers representative for further details. I mean, it's just like frustrating because every time Bobby Dahlbeck does something good, he follows it up with something that's like, God damn it, Bobby. Like, it's like <laughs> we, we all want to root for him, but sometimes he makes it like impossible to root for him. Like, the combination of the story bad throw and the bo- Bobby just playing the wrong side of the bag at first base. Like, it's just like, come on, man. Just like figure it out. But it's, Hopefully he figures it out. Hopefully we don't have to call up uh, Cassis right away, but I can see that in the near future, especially with how well Cassis is playing at AAA. For sure. We need something like now. Like, yeah. Like, it, it, I know it's so early to say this. And I know, like, last year we started off right off the bat. Like, we were like, Red Sox suck, Red Sox sucks, but we weren't. We weren't saying that. We never say that. But, like, but like everyone was saying that we were bad and we started off hot we're like oh red Sox are good like we had the underdog narrative all year long and it was fun now that we're good we expect to be good and then this happens like i don't know it, it's kind of frustrating because every time bobby does something good like you said something falls up and it's not good but even when he does something good it's so good like it's actually incredibly yes great most of the time like he hit a damn triple <laughs> like like that's crazy that's and I think this is kind of a good point to segment into the rest of the MLB because we're talking about Bobby Dalbeck and the bad strike calls. What about Kyle Schwarber last night and Angel, Her- Angel Hernandez? I mean, that was awesome. I mean, the ninth inning, for those who don't know, the Phillies and the Brewers are playing on Sunday Night Baseball, national TV on ESPN. ESPN. Phillies were down one nothing in the bottom of the ninth. Schwarber's up to bat, 2-2 count. A pitch that was low in a way, basically three inches out of the zone. Angel Hernandez calls a strike three on Schwarber. Schwarber turns around, throws his bat and helmet on the ground away from Angel Hernandez. And before, like, Schwarber could even turn around, Angel Hernandez already ejected him. He's like, already gone after he threw the bat. Like, Angel Hernandez, and you know, my little conspiracy theory, the MLB has Angel Hernandez ump these games because they know ratings will be in because he will make such bad calls. That was an awful call. Schwarber had every right to be angry. And Angel Hernandez, man, what do you I, I don't know. I just think it's it's a rate like at this point, he's so bad and he gets so many big games that um for an MLB player to be like, you suck for both sides, maybe Angel Hernandez really needs to like take a look in the mirror and be like, huh, maybe it is me. Maybe I shouldn't be ejecting all these players. Maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should shrink my strike zone or make it normal. So what, what do you guys think about that whole situation and the developments that have come around that? I'm, I'm very glad to talk about this subject because, you know, um, I, mean, I mean, usually I talk about it during the NFL season. I, I am a man of the officials, right? I am, I am one of the bigger supporters of officials when it comes to professional sports. Um, I think they get a lot of flack for a lot of things that they don't do wrong. Um, but when they do something wrong, you know, it, it, they should be held accountable for it. And I think that 
um, Angel Hernandez, who's a veteran umpire, um, and um, the fact that he has been on record of really just blowing calls, like, for years, right, it is awful. Um, I've heard, I, I ref uh, basketball, I've ref uh, football before, um, and, and the number one thing that everybody ha- has, has ever told me is the best officials are the ones that the players and the fans don't know their names, right? And, and I think that speaks miles. Uh, it's something I think about all the time. Um, and, and it's a reason why I look at officials in, in all sports. And I'm very glad that we're talking about this as well, because as you said, this game was on ESPN last night um, and I was doing homework. I, I had this game on in the background because um, there was nothing else on. I was already on ESPN on my laptop, so I just threw it on. Um, and I watched this I, and Kyle Schwarber was the perfect guy to do this. He said, you missed one down low on that strike three call. But honestly, I don't think any of those pitches, I think one of those pitches in that at bat were actually in the strike zone. Um, the other one was out. He called the strike up high. He called one down low. So it's not even like he's favoring lower high. He's just expanding the strike zone totally. Um, on national television, this is a perfect example of him making this game about himself, right? He, th- which is the number one thing you don't do if you're an official. I think it's a disgrace to officials, not only in baseball, not only in MLB, but all around. Because when you think of an official doing bad, you automatically think about every sport, right? You think about the NFL, you think about the NBA, you think about blown calls in general, which happen, right? But when it when it is a consistent basis of you screwing up strikes and balls, why are you still here? It's the fact that his name is known and people talk about him, right? And honestly, that's not the way that's not the way that officials should be seen um in professional sports. They should be guys that do their job and and do a good job of it, right? Because you are just like uh just like being a professional athlete, you work your way up, you start at the bottom, you work your way up. Angel Hernandez, I can tell you there is hundreds of maybe thousands of umpires that aren't going to miss those calls that are at a lower level and probably deserve that spotlight of calling strikes and balls in the show. And I, 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 it actually kind of upsets me because the the whole official thing gets thrown under the thrown under the mat when it comes to professional sports, because a lot of those guys put in a lot of hard work and the people that get recognition are the ones that screw up. So I, I, I really think that it's a disgrace that if you think of an umpire, Angel Hernandez is the first one that comes to mind. I don't think it should be. I, I totally agree. I mean, like from from that from that perspective, honestly, it it he shouldn't be officiating. Like if he's the, he's notorious for doing this every single year, year in year out, every single game he umps, it's always some kind of a mess. Something like it, no game that he umps ends cleanly. They, 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 I, I don't think I've ever seen one. Like, it's very rare that a game that he ups ends cleanly. I don't know why he hasn't received anything from the MLB to begin with. That's a big problem, too, why he hasn't been on notice or anything like that about what he has done. Because it's obvious. It's not even like it's not even like when we were watching the race series this weekend and the inside-outside balls were being called very, very strangely. I'm not even going to say that they were bad because some of them were close, and I'm not going to sit here and argue every single ball because there's no point. You could argue everything in baseball like like for the most part like it's really just depends on how you're looking at it but like if if it's that blatant Schwarber out there reacting the way he did I'm glad that he did because like 
if no one else is going to do it, he will. Like he, like you know, well, it was the perfect not, time to do it too. In the ninth, he's not going in the rest of the game. Oh that yeah, was the perfect it, time to it, do it didn't it. matter. There was there was no reason for him not to. And you even saw. I forgot who was pitching. I was watching the game, and I forgot who was pitching. But if you saw his face after it, he was almost laughing. He like he couldn't was, believe he that he, he couldn't even believe that he got the call. Like I mean, I didn't even freaking believe that he made that call either. I was like, that's ridiculous. It was yeah. a disgrace. And speaking of ridiculousness, how about what happened in the Bronx this weekend with the Yankees and uh, the Guardians outfielders? Um, that's just disgusting. Like, I'm off. I'm, I, I might sound like a boomer here when I say this, but like, it's just like, what? What are you doing? Like, I feel like if one fan messes up, it puts a negative image on the entire fan base. However. Yeah, it's not every Yankee fan, but it's like 80 people threw shit onto the stuff onto the field. Like it's a good it, portion of them, if I'm yeah. gonna be honest. It's like, a good portion of them. And you see all the Yankees fans on Twitter defending it because Miles Straw jumped into the not even into the stance, he just jumped on the wall and said something back. Like the Yankees fans in the outfield, they're known for heckling or whatever, but this isn't the first time. I mean, remember last year, Alex Verdugo got a baseball thrown at his head and, like, mm -hmm. no one makes a big deal out of it. And, like, Kyrie Irving gets hit with an empty water bottle and Boston's racist. But then Stephen Kwan... That guy got gets, five years. Yeah, and Stephen Kwan gets... Prob like, th there were rumblings that he was getting, like, made fun of. It's like... One of the best batters in baseball right yeah, now. like... The Yankees fans need to be put more in negative spotlight. You know, it's it's because it's terrible. You can't you can't do that. It's an entire fan base that just literally trashed the field. Where and it came to the point where Aaron Judge and Stanton had to run out into the outfield and um tell him to stop. And yet he <laughs> they kept going while their own players were there. So I I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Give me your initial reactions. Super disrespectful franchise, super disrespectful fan base, about over 50% of them, honestly. Um, as a Boston Red Sox fan, that's just intolerable. You just, you'd like, I, I don't know. I mean, I like, I know you can ask the question if that happened here. It, it has happened, like, not even here in, in New York. That's even worse. Like, I don't know, like, like, they get too much benefit of the doubt for everything that they do, everything over there gets way overlooked because they just buy players, they do whatever they want. It, like it, it's they get no flack for anything that they do. It doesn't make sense. They they need to have a serious figuring out period of their fans and how their players react to certain things because we you've never I, I don't think I've seen anything good happen at a Yankees game like that like something like that turns out that way. Nothing good ever happens. You never see anyone like, like I don't know. It, it could just be me, but like I've never seen anything good happen in situations like that with Yankees games, especially on the road. Like I mean, I feel bad for the Guardians. Like they they're getting completely disrespected out there, and they and the Yankees won the game. What what is the point? You guys are winning, right? It, it, it's stupid. It's it's I I've I've a lot to say about the franchise of the New York Yankees and the fans of the New York Yankees, but I'll hold in a lot of it. A lot of it probably can't be said um, as well. I just think, I just think it's a stupid move. Like as a person that 
um fully invest themselves um in, in their teams right like 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 we all are i understand how much Yankees fans love the Yankees, right? I I don't agree with them, but I understand how much they love the Yankees because I love the Red Sox more than that, right? And and it comes to a point where when you're doing those actions, you're not disrespecting the Cleveland Guardians um, outfield or their team. You're throwing trash onto your own field, right? Like Fenway Park, to me, is a forbidden space. I don't do... Anything disrespectful at Fenway Park, I cheer for my fans, or I cheer for my players, right? I, I boo people that used to be on the Astros, and I, I boo people that used to be and are on the Yankees, right? That's all I do. I don't actually do anything disrespectful. Yankees fans, on the other hand, because I'm comparing us, right? We are outfield watchers, right? We are outfield guys. When it comes to Red Sox fans, we're college students. Very comparable to the people that were throwing things onto the field at the Yankees game. It, it's a it's a trashy fan base. It's a trashy team and it's a trashy city. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. they smell bad, they look bad, and the pinstripes are maybe the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um it, it's a perfect example of New York. It's a smelly place. Um the air quality is terrible and it's because of the pollution. You know, you can get all environmental if you have to. There's nothing good that came out of this from Yankees fans. It's a stupid move. The only two things that I can remember from Fenway Park of objects being thrown onto thrown in general is one, the pizza, which is an iconic moment. It wasn't even thrown at a player. It may have been intended for a player right after the catch. First off, Second off, it hit a fan in the face, and he dropped it. It was, it was perfect. It was an iconic moment. The second one, I remember, I forget. We were playing the Yankees. Someone hit a home run. It might have been Judge. Um, onto the green Stanton. monster. A fan, it, was, it was Stanton. A fan threw it back. It hit Stanton barely. I, I mean, the fan threw it from the green monster to second base. You can't actually be mad at that. Now, if I'm wrong, those are the only things that have been involved right throwing in, in, in our lifetime. I um so so when it comes to the Yankees fans throwing stuff um I think they should all get 5 years in prison now one of one of the Celtics fans threw an empty water bottle at Kyrie Irving and he got 5 years 5 years in jail in prison um so obviously I'm joking saying that they should also get 5 years but I I think that they they should be held accountable of some sort maybe get a ban for a year from Yankee Stadium but like it's not like you can ban all of those people because it, there's a lot of people and and you can't actually tell all of them that they can't come um but but it's just a trashy move and, and not only that you're playing the Cleveland Guardians who have like maybe the third best third baseman in the league behind Rafael Devers um, but other than that, it's the Cleveland Guardians. Like, first off, they didn't even have that name last year. They're, the, when, when a team resets their name, this is pretty much a brand new team. So when you're disrespecting a team that honestly isn't at the same level that you're at, right, it, it, it's kind of you, – you look like an idiot. They made themselves look like idiots because they are idiots. And I hope there's a lot of Yankees fans listening to this. Because I want to hear it. I I I, I want to hear your 27 World World Series championships. And you've only won what one since you've been born. Um, I I want to hear all of it. I I just extremely dislike Yankees fans. My roommate, who's not currently here, 
Also a Yankees fan. I hate him. I, I honestly do not. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love Calvin. Calvin, if you're listening, I love you. Um, but no, like it, it's just they're idiots. Um, and, and they just prove us time and time again that they're stupid. That's, that's basically what I want to say. Yeah, I mean, I think we should end this pod on a positive note, speaking about yes. Byron Buxton. Like, this guy is unbelievable, and I think he's one of the more underrated players in the MLB. Um, he had an insane walk-off. I believe it was Sunday. The furthest walk-off in MLB history ever since they started recording that kind of stuff. 470 feet. Um, but here's an interesting set that I in saw Chicago on Twitter today. Too. Yeah, like an interesting set I saw on Twitter today. Since 2019, the minutes like the twins are 124 and 73. Like that's 101 win pace. Plus 233 run differential when Buxton plays. And then he's 94, or the twins are 94 and 109 without him. And in his last like full season of games that he's played, he's had an 8.4 uh wins above replacement, which is unbelievable. I it's I want more attention on Byron Buxton because of how good this guy is. Like, we need to appreciate how good he is. And the Twins are going to be an absolute wagon if he can stay healthy and Correa picks it up. I'm going to say, when healthy, he's, if not one of the best center fielders. Like, obviously, there's Trout. We we can't we can't say that. But, like, when healthy, he's top five center fielders in the league. Like, he he's out there doing everything for this team Every single day, obviously, when, like I said, if he's hurt, he's not out there every single day. But he's pretty much there every single day guy. Like, you, like I mean, obviously, you expect a lot from your every single day guys. You, they all can't be perfect. But, like, he is damn near their whole franchise. Right. And I wanted to say that the Minnesota Twins made a, made a few moves. They have good pitching, right? They have a – um, a decent rotation, um, some decent guys out of the bullpen as well. And they made a lot of moves. Uh, they got Carlos Correa. They picked up a few guys from the Yankees um, in that trade as well. Um, and they're honestly a team that can play in the playoffs this year. And I think a big part of their success, actually a huge part of their success, and Stav, you brought it up with the stats, is Byron Buxton. I think Byron Buxton has the potential when, when Mike Trout slows down, which – I mean, he's been dealing with injuries the past couple of years. Um, Byron Buxton is the next man up. I think he uh, he's one of those guys that just literally does everything, right? He's awesome in the field. He has the speed to literally make a play at any part of the outfield. Um, he covers so much ground. He's one of the fastest players in the MLB. He steals bases. He hits bombs. He hits singles, doubles, triples, home runs. He literally does everything, right? And he's so exciting. He does it with, like, a certain swag that he has that could really make him one of those top guys in the MLB that people look up to. Now, a big part of that is him staying healthy, which he hasn't been doing. Um, I think if Buxton is healthy, this is a very dangerous team. And I think Buxton is one of those guys that we're going to look at year in and year out and be like, this can be the AL MVP um, it, it, it just if he stays healthy, right? And, and I think that he really has the potential to be a guy that year in, year out, he's going to be the starting center fielder for the AL in, in the All-Star game every year. I really think he has the potential to do that. Yeah. It's it's awesome, and I really does hope he gets the attention that he deserves. Um, but I think that just about wraps it up for today's episode. Yep. 
Uh, Griff, you want to get us closed off? Yep, you know the vibes. We hope you guys enjoyed. We will catch you guys at the end of the week this week uh, when the Celtics are in round two and, and when Byron Buxton gets hurt again. We'll catch you guys yeah. on Friday. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed. All jokes aside, and peace. 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 Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.